Welcome to another edition of Mind of a Madman. Thanks for joining in this week. Uh, this week we're going to talk about, well, a couple weeks ago we did um, cryptids of Wyoming, uh, as, you know, and a uh, uh, couple other states, and then I, you know, I said that, that I wanted to start doing something from around the world. So this week we're going to look at cryptids from, from the Scandinavian uh, nations like Denmark, Norway, Finland, and that area. There's actually quite a few. I mean, some of them are kind of the same across the board, you know, all the countries, but they have some really unique, interesting cryptids to look at. So uh, before we get into that, as always, let's look at uh, what's in the news. Uh, this first one's story is a little bit of a weird one, but uh, it's titled, Somebody Else is on the Moon, Confirmed Second NASA Scientist. Most of us want full transparency concerning the phenomenon of UFOs and extraterrestrial life, but as a... Uh, as a society, we still have far to go in order to remove the obstacles to block us. Apparently, this type of transparency is only attainable when governments around the world stop using UFO-related material and tagging it as a matter of national security. The extraordinary possibility of alien life somewhere else in the universe isn't really a matter of national security. It's a matter of sociological liberty. According to former NASA astronaut and Princeton physics professor Dr. Brian O'Leary, there's an abundant there's abundant evidence that we are being contacted, that civilizations have been visiting us for a very long time, that their appearance is bizarre from any kind of traditional materialistic Western point of view, that these visitors use the, use the technologies of consciousness, they use torrids. They use co-rotating magnetic disks for their propulsion systems that seem to be a common denominator of the UFO phenomenon. WikiLinks and Edward Snowden were the first who steered society towards the sociological freedom, but even WikiLinks has difficulty keeping up with the massive amounts of classified documents that are forbidden by governments worldwide. Every single year, the U.S. government alone classifies about 5 million pages, this explains why in recent times, astronauts, scientists, and highly classified government officials have broken the silence about alien life to the public. And in a society where this type of information is hidden, some of these comments have been considered shocking. George Leonard, NASA scientist and photo analyst, published a book called Somebody Else is on the Moon. The book is filled with various official NASA photographs on the moon, which he recently acquired. So this just goes on to talk about this book that this guy is writing. Um, it shows actually some interesting things. Like it looks like some sort of a base that's on the moon. Um, it looks kind of like what we would do, like you know, like a big dome built on the moon. Like if we were going to go on the moon, one of the things that they talked about was using what's already there. You know, so basically going underground and building domes underground, and that's, you know because you know, that, that would help shield us from uh, from from solar radiation. Uh, plus, it also help uh, lock in, you know, like an atmosphere that we could pump underground. So, you know, and then there's a couple, of, a couple other structures, and I'm not sure if these are like roads or if these are like some kind of like uh, power lines or something. But uh, I'll put the picture, this picture on on there. It's definitely an, an interesting one to look at. Uh, and if you know, if this photo was found to be real, it's it's you know definitely a game changer. So. You know, it's it's either aliens have a base there, or it's human and some government's hiding it, whether it be us or another government. Um, our second story is uh, entitled "Fast Radio Burst 
detected from 3 billion light-year-away star. What does it mean? Astronomers have found a unique radio burst that they estimate to come from a galaxy 3 billion light-years away. This is only the second time one like this has been discovered, according to the National Radio Astronomy. What is a fast radio burst? A fast radio burst, or an FRB, are millisecond short radio wave bursts from space. Regular radio bursts are known to emit once without repeating, but FRBs send out short radio waves multiple times. Scientists are still figuring out what causes these bursts, but many assume that this can that the cause to be from extreme objects. Uh, some cause some causes of FRB could be a neutron star, the collapsed core of a massive star that exploded as a supernova at the end of its life cycle, a magnetar, a type of neutron star with an ultra strong magnetic field, and a black hole uh, messily eating a neighboring star. Uh, so you know this just kind of goes on, and uh, the last time that we got one of these FRBs. Uh, they had looked at it because it's such a it's such an odd signal to get from space that when you get these, you know, you know, you know, they, you know, they look at these for potential, you know, to potentially be um, radio signals from from another civilization, you know, trying to reach out like you know, you know, like we're reaching out. So, you know, is this is this from a natural phenomenon? Is this from you know that, you know uh, uh, you know like extraterrestrial civilization three billion light years away? I don't know. Nobody knows, but maybe you know as time goes on, you'll figure out what these things are. The Stir one's a really weird one. There's a lot there's a lot of odd 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 uh, articles yeah this week, so this one's entitled A Man Spends a Night in a UFO He Finds in the Woods. I've gotten some weird Airbnbs over the year, but I've never seen anything like this contraption. An actual UFO that you can rent for an evening's uh, repose. Not what you thought it was, was it? You, you, you thought it was an actual alien spacecraft. <laughs> no. Uh, so this man parks his car and makes his way through the woods, where a flying saucer with glowing windows slowly lowers a curved set of stairs to welcome him aboard. Sadly, the structure doesn't actually fly, nor is it run by aliens. Rather, this UFO house is actually called a Futuro. Back in 1968, it was designed by the architect Matty Seren as a funky, modernist, tiny house to be used as a short-term ski chalet. The inside is filled with gorgeous mid-century modern design in a modular prefab construction guaranteed to make both tiny houses and MCM enthusiasts swoon. However, because it is made out of plastic, the oil embargoes that hit at the end of the 60s, made these homes prohibitively expensive to build. Out of the hundreds or so that were made, only half survived. So basically, if you you want to stay on a UFO, sleep overnight. It's not a real UFO, but it looks like you know it, it looks like a UFO. You can you can check you can check this place out. Uh, did Derek say where it was? Uh. Oh, okay. This is over in the United Kingdom. So if you're in, if you're in the United Kingdom, you know, you know, and you want to stay in a UFO, here here you go. This is the place. This is the place for you. Um, our last story is how NASA's Venus probe will survive hell and make unprecedented discoveries. So if so if if you didn't know, yeah, before I read read this article, um, there's been a lot of interest in Venus lately. Um, they've picked up potential. Um, chemical traces of life in the atmosphere. 
we've always thought that, you know, well, it's thought that at one time Venus was very similar to what Earth is right now, and it could potentially have had life forms similar to us, but then something happened, and there was a runaway greenhouse effect. Maybe it was same thing that happened with us. Maybe there was a, maybe, you know, there was a, there was a civilization, and, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't stop their... Uh, uh, they didn't, you know, act on the CO2 problem, or maybe it's, maybe, you know, it's, a, you know, a total, you know, natural phenomenon from volcanic activity, you know, scientists don't, don't know what actually caused the, the you know, gas house or the, the greenhouse effect. But anyways, recently there's been a lot of uh, speculation as to, you know, maybe there was, you know, life in the atmosphere that could be, you know, like, you know, a loft, like, you know, microscopic life or even, you know, small life forms that, you know, basically glide through the atmosphere, in Venus, it could be alive. So, anyways, there's the you know recently there's there's been a lot of attention turned turned to Venus. So, uh, you know, the other nations have you know are you know, uh, you know are planning to send a probe to Venus. So, of course, the United States is you know is 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 right there with them. The last probe, the, the only probe that I know of that I, I that I remember from. Russia set one, I believe it was back in the 60s, and uh, it didn't last very long because of the heat and the extreme pressure on Venus. It, you know, it died like minutes after it landed, but, you know, there's a couple pictures, but not much. So so let's see what this article says about what the United States' uh, ambitions are with this. A hefty question still puzzles planetary, planetary scientists. As I was just saying, what happened to Venus? Though Venus and Earth are similarly sized rocky worlds occupying similar parts of the solar system, Venus is a hellish land hot enough to melt lead. Meanwhile, stunning biodiversity flourishes on, on temperate Earth. Somewhere, their stories diverge. Later this decade, NASA will launch its Da Vinci mission. Short for Deep Atmosphere Venus Investigation of Noble Gases, Chemistry, and Imaging to collect unprecedented observations of our torrid star sister planet. As laid out in a new paper by mission researchers, the probe will help answer elusive questions. Did Venus harbor oceans? Was it habitable? What exactly is happening on the surface? Venus has always been the enigmatic sister planet. On a Venusian day in 2031 at high noon, the Da Vinci spacecraft will drop a three-foot-wide titanium sphere through Venus's thick clouds. It will ingest gases, it will run experiments, it will endure streams of heat and pressure. It will show us what Venusia mountains actually look like. Bogos' plan, just a single hour of observations, will transform our understanding of Venus. Venus has always been the enigmatic, the I can't say that word, the enigmatic sister planet. Jim Gavin, who leads NASA Da Vinci mission, told Mashable, why does Venus look like Earth? He wonders. Or why doesn't it look like Earth? He wonders. So, you know, I'm actually looking forward to this. Uh, you know, anytime when we, we can learn something new about the, you know, about the planet, it's always a good thing. So, so with that being our last article, uh, let's get into our topic this week, which is uh, cryptids from Scandinavia. So, we're going to look at... Um, we're going to look at Denmark first. They've got one main one. Like I said, a lot of these repeat. Oops. So I'm not going to I'm not going to go over the same things over and over and over again. So uh, if I mention one on one for one country, it might apply to apply to multiple, but so you know, I'm looking at you basically you know, the unique 
ones in each country. So Denmark's got one unique one, and it's called the Sea Monk, a.k.a. the Sea Bishop. This is found on the east coast of the Danish island of, of uh, oh, it's been found on the eastern coast uh, of Denmark, and it was seen in 19, 1546, originally. Most recently sighted by a fisherman and two swimmers in Pola, Croatia in 2011, and uh, it's commonly also seen in the Adriatic Sea. It's described as a fish that looks superficially like a monk, walks upright with small arms and webbed hands. Uh, sounds like a weird thing. I mean, it's hard to imagine something, you know. But uh, a lot of scientists think that what they're actually seeing is what they call uh, the uh, guitar fish. Uh, if you've ever seen a guitar fish, they're very, very odd-looking creatures. So maybe that's what they're seeing. Who knows? Uh... Let's see here. Our next, so now we're going to go to Norway. Uh, Norway's got really one unique one as well, and that's called Selma. Selma is a sea serpent that lives in Lake Seljord. Selma has been depicted on the Seljord coat of arms since 1989. The oldest accounts of this date back to 1750 by a man in a rowboat. It's described as a long snake-like creature with no arms or legs. So it just kind of sounds like a big giant, a big giant eel, maybe. Maybe that's what they're seeing. Uh, now we'll jump to Sweden. Sweden's got a bunch. Um, so the first one. Wow, I don't know how, 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 how I'm gonna pronounce this. I'm, I'm gonna try to pronounce this. I know we got listeners in Sweden. If I'm saying this wrong, I apologize. You, know, you can definitely uh, write in. Tell me, you know, you know, help me break down the correct uh, pronunciation. But the Struis, the, wow, the Struis Jujur Jared, it's spelled S T O R S J O O D J U R E T Struis Jujur, uh, which means the Great Lake Monster. It was first reported in 1635. It is said to live in Jamtland in the middle of Sweden in a 300-foot lake called Lake Storsgen. Described as a serpentine or aquatic reptile with fins across its back and the head of a dog. Six meters long and sometimes said to have several humps. This sounds a lot like Nessie. Um, you know, maybe there's multiples, you know, there's, there's, there's very similar lake monsters all, all over the world. And just, this just shows that they have them over in, uh, you know, in Norwegian area as well. Um, in 1986, when Osterstan celebrated its 200 year anniversary, that's the closest city to the lake, a law was passed protecting it, its, its offspring and nests. The law was revoked in 2005. Like I said, Sweden's got a number of lake monsters. That's just the most the most popular one you can find. But they're, they have they 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 have a lot of lake monster stories or uh, myths or not myths but legends. Um, the next one, it's another hard one to pronounce. I I, I apologize if I butcher this. It's the Snowmanen. This it's basically the Scandinavian Bigfoot. Uh, in the Lapland and Arctic regions, a dark ape-like creature covered in thick, dirty, stinky hair 
has a broad face with a prominent brow ridge. Its nose is pressed flat and a mouth that juts out from a huge jaw. Like I said, it's just it's the exact definition. Or it's the exact you know description of the North American uh, Bigfoot. In the summer of 1985, a Swedish radio reporter talked about strange growls being heard uh, in the providence of Helsingland. Two elderly moose hunters described tracking something big and smelly, and when they released their dogs, the dogs came back running and came running back at them, and they were terrified. Like I said, there's been many, there's there there have been many many more reports, uh, you know, and they're all very similar to North American reports. So it just it sounds like 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 just is this is just you know a cousin of of the Bigfoot that's very very similar. So let's move on to Iceland. Well, this was a really hard one. Horkal, uh, it's H-R-O-K-K-A-L-L. Horkal, it means recoiled eel. Uh, it's described as an eel with iron hard scales and razor sharp fins. About two feet in length and lives in stagnant ponds, pollutes waters, and some. It lives in stagnant ponds, polluted waters, and sometimes rivers. Uh, they wait for their prey to step into the water. Uh, then they are then they, they're located, and then they coil around their legs and slice through the flesh and bone. Sheep are said to be safe due to their legs being too narrow to gain a hold on. In more modern times, uh, it is an Icelandic word for the Electrophis electris, a species of electric eel. Uh, so. You know that's 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 basically those are basically the most you know this is a real short one but this the, those are the most you know common Scandinavian uh, uh, cryptids uh, you know I'm sure you know there, well I know there's a lot that I can talk about but they're basically you know three peats just you know different you know uh, you know accounts of them but if there's something major that I missed I mean you know especially you know those that you'll listen. Uh, you know, uh, I know we have listeners in Sweden, Denmark, Finland. Uh, I think we have, yeah, we do. We have a couple of listeners in Iceland too. Please, by all means, if you know, I, you know, if I miss something, if I pronounce one of these horribly wrong, please write me, let me know. Um, you know, you can, uh, you know, there's several ways you can you can do that. You know, you can always, you know, email us at uh, moampodcast21 at gmail.com. You go to the Facebook page and, and comment, or you can, uh, you know, uh, send a private message, or you can text us now on, on a new text line, which uh, which will be in the description below, or you know, uh, in the description to this video, so you can. Uh, or, uh, oh my gosh, it'll be the text number will be in the description to the uh, to the to this podcast. Um, it's completely free. It just you know, a local rates may apply depending on you know where you're located at. I mean, I, I mean. Uh, I know for the most part in the United States, almost everybody has, you know, unlimited texting, so it won't cost you anything there. If, if you're outside the United States, I'm not sure how that works. Um, but, you know, Facebook's always free. Email's always free, so you, you can reach us either way. So with that being said, uh, let's take a look at the uh, question of the week from last week. So uh, last week, the question of the week was, um, basically I asked you um, – you know, the, the uh, Kepler Space Telescope is supposed to be up, up and running here any you know, any day. If it's not up and running now, it'll be up and running any day here. It's, it's coming. So, um, 
you know, I basically asked, you know, what discoveries do you think are, you know, are going to be first on Kepler's plate? You know, what's the first major discovery that's going to be going to be made? Well, first of all, let's just put it this way: Hubble's not done. Hubble Hubble might be, you know, twenty some years old, but that telescope is not done working yet. Uh, I was just watching in the in the news today, and Hubble just just caught, uh, uh, basically caught an image. More or less of a of a black hole and you know uh, and event, you know and event, you know and the event horizon and uh, spectacular what this what the, what Hubble's still doing you know that thing was was put up in the 90s and it's still you know you know and it's still going strong you know that thing is it, it's an incredible piece of machinery that you know we have engineered and put in space so you know it's going to be sad when it has to come down but you know all good things come to an end so moving on moving on to Kepler um I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't even know how to, you know, it, it's going to make so many amazing discoveries in its time. Um, people have, you know, people wrote in, people emailed me. I've got everything from, you know, from uh, seeing, um, seeing distant planets, like actually seeing them to better res resolution of stars. People have said about, you know, things in our own, you know, maybe getting uh, better footage of like, uh, of like planets in our own uh, solar system. Um, or uh, maybe find the mysterious planet X. Well, I'm pretty sure the way with the way Kepler works, I don't think it's it's like short range is gonna work or be good. So like I don't think it's gonna be useful for finding like you know for like you're looking at planets in our own solar system or for you know trying to find planet X. I think those kind of things are too close. I mean you know I could be wrong if you know if I am by all means you know you let me know. But from my understanding of, of Kepler, you know, it's it's more for long, long range things, like real long range. Uh, you know, you know, it's just like Hubble. You know, Hubble really really wasn't useful for like you're looking at like close planets because it's just it's it's not designed to focus that closely to Earth. It's designed for far, far away things. So, uh, what do I think is going to be the first thing that, that it discovers? What well, I. You know, personally, you know, I mean, all right. The main reason that the, that the telescope was put up was to find, uh, you know, planets on planets in different solar systems. You know, exoplanets. And with that, you know, being that that's what that was put there, what what that was designed and you know commissioned for, I think that's probably going to be one of the first things that, that they're going to do. You know, they're going to try. You know, they're probably going to try looking at one of the closest exoplanets first just to see how you know how well this actually works so i think kepler is going to deliver us the first clear image of a exoplanet i think that's going to be the first thing that it does and i think it's probably going to be a, like a jupiter sized planet or better because uh I, you know it's going to be easier to focus it on something like that than focusing on something say let's say like an earth-sized planet or smaller so, so like i said i think they're going to focus in on uh a super giant planet Exoplanet first, so I think that you know that's probably what what that's that, that's probably one of the first major discoveries that, that Kepler's going to make. Um, I'm sure Kepler's going to observe multiple exoplanets. I mean, I don't think that's that, that's that's the only thing it's going to be used for. I mean, it's going to be used to capture, I'm sure, better images of stars and probably 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 used to look you know better at black holes and potentially even try you know work, you know you're discovering what's the, what's at the heart of black matter. Or uh, dark matter. I don't know, but you know, I definitely think that the first thing that it's going to be used for is to capture a super, you know, uh, 
you know, an exoplanet. So, so with that being said, uh, I guess for next week's question, let's keep it, you know, you know, uh, let's keep it space oriented, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, and let's, let's, let's look back at Mars, planet Mars. You know, we've been, we've had so much interest in it lately, you know, We've sent multiple rovers, and you know the Euro European Space Agency sent rovers. Now China sent a rover. Um, the United Emirates have sent a uh, rover now. So there's a lot of interest. SpaceX, you know, was saying that they're going to be going, you know, to Mars, and a lot of other planets, or you know, a lot of other agencies. So my question to you is, who's, who, who do you think is going to get to Mars first? Do you, do, do, do you think it's going to be, um, you know? Uh, more than likely, NASA won't do it alone. Um, if not, you know, if NASA gets there first, it'll definitely probably be with with aid from SpaceX. Uh, so, do you think that NASA and SpaceX are going to get there first? Do you think the European Space Agency is going to get there first? Do you think that China is going to beat us there? Who do who do you think? What entity, whether it be a country or a private organization, whatever, who do you think is going to put a man on Mars first? Uh, let me know what you think. Once again, you know you can go into Facebook on the uh, Mind of a Man, Man Mind of a Madman Facebook page, which I always put the link in the in the comments uh, for this podcast. You can uh, text us on our on our text line, which is also in the comments, or you can also email us. Uh, that's m o a m podcast twenty one at gmail dot com, uh, and that'll also be in the comments. So. Uh, just want to thank everybody for tuning in this week, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Next next week, I have a lot longer show planned. That's kind of why I did a short one this week because I you know I don't like to lay you know real long ones on you back to back to back because it kind of gets you know long and redundant. Uh, you know, you know, you know, I like doing doing like a short one uh, before and after a real long one. To, you know, kind of uh, bookend it. So uh, like I said, you know, uh, next week's gonna be a longer, a lot longer one. So. Uh, thank you guys once again for tuning in and, uh, I'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe.